Let's open our Bibles to a very familiar text. Psalm 23. Psalm 23. I'll be reading from the New King James Version of the Bible this morning. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May the Lord add his blessing this morning as the pastor brings us his word. The Lord is a good shepherd. Has he been a good shepherd to you? Is he a good shepherd to moms? He's a good shepherd to moms. Do moms need a good shepherd? They certainly do. They need someone to care for them and provide for their needs beyond what they can do for themselves. Now, how does he do that? And how does he do that for moms who are missing their husbands because they're in prison for sharing the gospel? Can he do that? Let's go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 and verses 44 and 45. Acts chapter 2. Verses 44 and 45. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among them all as anyone had need. So God was providing for people, wasn't he? How did he do it? Did he just send manna down from heaven at this time? No. Did he open a rock and send out water? No. Did he turn uh, a small boy's lunch into food for 5,000? No. How did he do it? He did it through other church members who weren't in need to sell what they had and to then share it with everybody so that all the needs were met. Turn over to chapter 4, if you would, please. Chapter 4, looks, look at verse 32 and onward from there, starting with chapter 4, verse 32. Now the multitude of those who, had, who, those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. 
This explains a little bit more of the previous verses, doesn't it? Verse 33, And with great power the, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there any among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the, the apostles' feet. And they distributed to each as anyone had need. So this explains a little bit more how people were willing to sacrifice things that they had because they saw others who had less, others who had need. God can work. He can work through people. In communist China, a pastor had been taken away and put in prison. His wife and seven children were allowed to stay in their home, but the wife was put under house arrest. So she had to stay home all the time. The one thing she was allowed to do when, is that she could leave her home just to go to the market to get food for the family. The problem was with the husband in prison, she had no money. No money to buy anything at the market. And with seven children, what was she to do? Well, the members of the church found a way to provide for the pastor's wife and children. She wore a loose-fitting smock over her clothes with deep pockets, many deep pockets. And when she was allowed to go, that one thing, that one errand, and that was to go to the market, she would go and walk among the vendors at the market, you know, an open-air market where people would come with their produce and other things. And as she walked among the people, <clears throat> she would feel a nudge here and a pull here and uh, somebody brush up her against her here and she'd just not pay attention. She'd just keep walking, walking through the market. And by the time she left the market, her pockets would be full. They would have onions and tomatoes and fruit and so on. And sometimes one of the pockets would have some money in it. And every day as she went home, there was always just enough to feed her and her seven children. And so the Lord provided for her. There was always enough. One day, she even found a chicken left on her front step. Another time, her, one of her older sons got a job at a factory, but it was over in the next town a few miles away. And wouldn't you know, here was a bicycle leaning up against the front door the next morning. And now he had his transportation to get to work. The Lord was watching over this mother providing things. Those house churches there in China, they didn't have a nice building like we, not, they didn't have any uh, pews like we have to sit on, but they certainly knew how to love and how to care for one another. Does God want to use us as instruments of his grace and generosity to others? 
to provide for others in need? Well, we're in a free and prosperous land. What need could there be? One of the big needs in our society is the sense of loneliness. People feel lonely. They feel disconnected. Sometimes we have people who are lonely. Sometimes they end up on our prayer list. We're praying for people like Rose. She would love to be here, but she can't because of her health problems. Um, how could we minister to her? It's not always easy to visit with her because she can catch illnesses real easily that we wouldn't be troubled with. But what, how else could we visit her? If we can't visit her in person, there's a telephone, some, some people who know. She's on the email list, isn't she? She's on, uh, she has emails that she does quite a bit with. And we can write letters and cards to her. Could do FaceTime, perhaps, if she has that. And there may be others in our church, that uh, church list of, of uh, people who are feeling lonely. Maybe they live nearby where we could contact with them. Maybe they live across the country now. Maybe we haven't seen them because they have strife and troubles in their life and they're uncomfortable coming to church because they feel like it would all spew out and they wouldn't know how to handle it, sharing with others. Loneliness is a problem. Sometimes we can visit, sometimes we can even offer a ride to church. But sometimes those things are not workable and we have to find other ways now it takes time. That's a sacrifice. Also, besides loneliness, there's a lot of single mothers, not just in our church, but in the society, in the neighborhood. We may notice single moms. Do we go out of the way to do anything, to offer any help, to provide for them? And then our children, uh, they we'd like to go to summer camp and to other activities in the conference. Well, our lamb's offering helps with that. Are we doing the right thing by having a lamb's offering? Yeah, we are. And it provides for things like that. We even help with peop young people going to college and academy. Our academy students uh, that we've been helping just went on a mission trip to India. Soon they're going to be graduating just in another month. The Lord has been blessing our efforts there. Well, let's turn to Acts chapter 10. And see another method of God providing. Chapter 10 of Acts, verses 19 and 20. Here we come to a story about the Apostle Peter. In the first part of the chapter, talks about a man named Cornelius, who's not a believer yet, but he's interested. He, he has some belief, I should say, but he wants to know more. And then Peter is given a vision, starting with verse 9 tells about the vision that he had. And then we come down to verse 19. It says, While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you, and therefore go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. So the angel says, <clears throat> Peter, there's these three men, and I want you to go with them. And what does he add? Pardon? 
without doubting. Without doubting. Why, why would Peter doubt that he should go with these three men? Yes, later on it explains these three men were Gentiles. And Peter was brought up with the idea that Jewish people have as little to do with Gentiles as possible because Gentiles are unbelievers and therefore they're unclean and so you just don't associate with them. But now the Lord was teaching a new thing here. And so the Lord said, I want you to go without doubting. And the Lord led. And we're going to study that whole story in another sermon for we're not going to take a lot of time about what happened with Peter. But I want you to notice the part I want that God said to him, I want you to go. Just go. In communist Russia, a prisoner, I'm sorry, a pastor was made a prisoner and sent off to prison. And his family was taken away from their home, his wife and uh, I think he had three children. And they were removed from their home and sent to a far distant part <coughs> excuse me, a far distant part of the country where they had never been before. And they arrived and they were given, in, they were given a small, old, dilapidated shack to live in. You can imagine it was cold out there in the western part of Russia, the, near, in Siberia. And one cold winter night... They were down to their last little bit of food. So they ate a little bit of crust of bread, a small amount of soup, and they were still hungry. And the children said, Mama, what are we going to do? There's no more food. How is, God, how is Papa going to take care of us? Does Papa even know where we are? And Mama said, Well, God knows where we are. And we can't, Papa can't help us here, but God can help us. We're going to have to depend on God to help us. And so they went to bed with just that little bit of food in their tummies, feeling hungry and wondering what was going to happen. In the middle of the night, 20 miles away, there was a believer, a deacon of the church there, who knew about this pastor's family. And he was awakened at night and the Lord spoke to him and said, get your horse and wagon and put the food in it that the church has been saving and some things they had overflow from their harvest and take it to the pastor's family now. Well, the deacon said, but Lord, it's cold out. It's below zero. My horse could freeze. I could freeze. The Lord said, go and take the food now. But Lord, you know there are so many wolves out in the forest and on the way. They could eat my horse and then they'll eat me. And the Lord said, go. But how will I get back? You don't have to come back. You just have to go. You don't have to come back. You just have to go. And so he couldn't argue with the Lord anymore. And he bundled himself up and he got the horse ready and he filled up the wagon with the food and he went the 20 miles in the middle of the night and before dawn there was a knock at the little dilapidated shack's door and the, the mom and the children were afraid of who it might be. 
And, but when they opened the door, here was a very little but very cold old deacon shivering and shaking, but he said, I've come to bring you food. He said, now there's plenty for you to eat. And when you finish this up, we're going we're going to t uh, collect more food and we're going to bring that to you too. And so they had what they needed. You don't have to come back. You just have to go. Well, he did come back. He was able to get back. And then they brought more food on a regular basis to the family. But think about the words of the Lord. You don't have to come back. You just have to go. Are we willing to go? And not worry about how we'll come back. Are you willing to put your desires and even your needs sometimes aside to meet the needs of other believers? Even to the extent that you don't know how you'll come back, so to speak. Maybe you have plans for a new car or house or boat. Or maybe we have plans for a good retirement. But the Lord says, share, help. In my first district, there was an older couple who had saved for retirement. But then there was a young lady in the church, a young thing just getting up to teen years. And they noticed, they saw that her mom had made a lot of mistakes. There was no dad in the picture. And the mom was continuing to make mistakes. And she was not going to be there for this young lady. Not in a meaningful way. So they took funds that they had set aside for their retirement. And they put them into this girl. They paid for her to go off to boarding academy. And they paid to help her go off to college. And praise the Lord, it was a successful investment. Because she ended up marrying well into a very spiritual uh, with a spiritual young man and we used to see her and her husband and then their children at camp meeting they were a beautiful family and just uh not long ago i have watched a couple who uh, have run into a similar thing they saw a, a need for a, a baby that needed to be cared for because mom and dad were both in lots of trouble and in jail and so on. And so this couple offered to take the baby into their home. And they've been caring for this child and sending her to church school and making sacrifices and, and so much so that, that they don't have that nice retirement. The, the, the man involved is 75 and he's still working because they have this girl to take care of. You don't have to come back. You just have to go. What if we really have to trust God? You can be the answer to someone's prayers. It is costly to serve Christ, but he will provide. Sometimes, in mysterious ways. Now he helps not only women, he helps men too. Lenny lived just outside of Concord. 
He lived in Pembroke. He was a neighbor of a Seventh-day Adventist man who helped out Lenny many times and Lenny ended up asking, why are you helping me? Other people don't help me as much as you do. He said, well, I'm trying to follow what the Bible said. And my church, we believe in following Jesus from the Bible. And he said, well, I need to know more about that. And the Adventists said, well, we give Bible studies, but I'm moving away and I need, uh, I'll have to have you get in contact with the pastor. And so I got involved with Lenny in the Bible studies. And every week when I came to have a Bible study with him, well, he would have the lesson filled out, but every week he needed something. One week he needed a drive to the store because his car wasn't working and he needed some food. Another time he needed some money to, to, and a ride to go to the drugstore to fulfill some prescriptions because he had a lot of physical problems. Another, another week we had to, he had to have a ride to go to the food bank because he needed to get some food out of the food bank. And it was just constant. Every week some kind of help was needed. But he always had his Bible study done, so I thought, well, we'll I'll keep visiting him as long as he's really interested in spiritual things. The other things can be part of ministering to him. That's the way Jesus did it, right? So one week I was on my way to visit Lenny, and I was thinking, well, Lord, I wonder what Lenny's going to need today. And the Lord said, whatever it is, don't help him. And I prayed, and I said, Lord, is that really your voice I'm hearing? <laughs> Don't help him. I thought we're supposed to help all the time as much as we can. And the Lord said, you, you and the church have helped him enough, and, but, but there's something he needs more. He needs to know that I will listen to his prayers. He's, he's always leaning on you. He's always leaning on the church. He needs to lean directly on me. He talks about how your prayers are heard, but he needs to know his prayers are heard. So don't help him. Tell him he needs to pray directly to me and I will help him. So I said, all right, Lord, fair enough. So when I got to Lenny's house, do you suppose he needed something? Oh, yes. Yes, he did. He had bad back pain because of some accidents and so he, he back, uh, some pain medication for his back, and he had two other prescriptions to fill, and he had no money. And his car was broken down and was in the repair shop. It had been fixed, but he didn't have any money to get it out of the repair shop. And so he said, uh, what could you help me with? And I said, uh, nothing. And he said, what? <laughs> Pastor? I said, well, I've got good news. The Lord spoke to me. Oh, good. The bad news is, he doesn't want me to help you. <laughs> and the good news is that he wants to help you directly. He doesn't want you to just believe that I can pray and my hurt prayers will be heard. Or the church will be a, a, a channel of blessing to you. He wants you to know you talk directly to him and he will help you. Oh, Really? He wasn't too excited about that plan. And so we went over the study, and then I prayed at the end. I said, Lord, help Lenny to trust in you now and, and how you will answer his prayers. And then I left. Well, the next week, I, when I came to the study, Lenny said, Pastor, I need to tell you what happened. I said, oh, good, tell me what happened. He said, well... 
after you left the rest of the day, I, I didn't really do anything. But the next day, I was all out of the pain medication, almost out of the other two, and I was in terrible pain, and I needed to do something. And I remembered you told me to pray. So I prayed. I said, Lord, I need this, and I don't know how I'm going to get it. I don't have a way to get down to Concord where where it's waiting for me at the CVS. I don't have any money. I don't know what I'm going to do. The pastor told me to pray, so I'm asking you. And then he was impressed to go outside. It was wintertime. He said, go outside and see if the neighbor will give you a ride. And the neighbor has given, has, had given him rides before to certain places. So he looked outside, and sure enough, there was the neighbor outside shoveling the snow out of his driveway. And so Lenny went over and asked him, and the man said, oh, yeah, I'm going down to Concord, but I'm not coming back. Uh, but I'm going, and I can drop you off. And so he said, but get ready, because I'm going. So Lenny went in and got ready. He could go, but he didn't know how he would get back. But he had to go. So he went with the neighbor, and the neighbor dropped him off right on Main Street at the CVS. And Lenny's standing there with his winter coat bundled up, and it's cold, and he's thinking, well, now what am I going to do? I don't have any money to get it. It's right inside the CVS, but I don't have any money to get it. What am I going to do? And he remembered he's supposed to pray. So we prayed. He said, Lord, what am I going to do? I don't know how to get this. I don't know, I don't know how you're going to help me. And while he was praying, people were going back and forth on the sidewalk and crossing the street. One man crossed the street and walked right up in front of him. He said, Sir, I perceive you have a need here today. And Lenny had never seen him before in his life. And he said, well, uh, I, I, I'm here to get prescription, but I don't have any money. Oh, come with me. And he grabbed Lenny by the arm and he marched him into the CVS. And he said, all right, tell the, per- tell the person about your prescription. And so uh, he said, well, I've got three, but I only really need one. No, 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 no. We're going to get all three. So get all three. And they got all three. And the man paid for them all. And then they started leaving CVS and the man stopped him and said, wait a minute, I perceive you have another need today. And I said, well, you've already gotten me my Medicaid. No, there's something else. Well, my car's in the shop and I can't pay it. I don't have enough money. I, I, I don't have any money. And so I don't know how I'm going to get home. And I said, all right, come with me. And he marched him down the street to his car And they got in the car and he drove all the way out to Pembroke to the repair shop. And he pulled out $160 and paid the bill. And then he he looked at Lenny and he said, Sir, I perceive that your needs are now met. And he turned around and walked without telling him who he was or where he was from. And he'd never seen him before and he never saw him again. And the Lord met Lenny's needs. He met his need for prescriptions. He met his need for car repair. But best of all, he met his need to know that God loves him, would hear his prayers, would answer his requests and meet his needs. In Isaiah 45, 15, in the New Living Translation, it says, Truly, O God of Israel, our Savior, you work in mysterious ways. 
God may have a mysterious way in mind for you of providing for you or through you. But first, he has to let you get into a needy situation, a difficult situation. Are you willing for him to allow you to get into some trouble, a difficulty, so that then he can display his power for you and for others around you? Are you willing for that? It's risky to pray, your will be done. But there's no better way to pray. It's costly to serve Christ. But he will provide better than you can imagine. Let's pray. Our Father, how wonderful you are. And as we consider these things today, these promises of you working in mysterious ways, of you providing for our needs. Father, we're so glad that your thinking and your ways are beyond our ways and our thinking. We would want everything to be calm and easy and nice all the time. But there wouldn't be possibilities then for seeing your power and your glory and your grace and your love. It wouldn't be the same. So thank you for being better than we are and higher than we are and more powerful and more loving than we are. We praise you. We worship you as our great and wonderful God. In Jesus' name, amen. Our benediction is taken from Ephesians 3. Glory be to him whose power, working in us, can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory be to him, from generation to generation, in the church and in Christ Jesus, forever and ever. Amen.